in fairy tales, witches always wear silly black hats and black cloaks and ride on broomsticks. But this is not a fairy tale. This is about real witches. The most important thing you should know about real witches is this. Listen very carefully. Never forget what is coming next. Real witches dress in ordinary clothes and look very much like ordinary women. They live in ordinary houses and they work in ordinary jobs. That is why they are so hard to catch. A real witch hates children with a red hot sizzling hatred that is more sizzling and red hot than any hatred you could possibly imagine. A real witch spends all of her time plotting to get rid of the children in her particular territory. Her passion is to do away with them one by one. <laughs> It is all she thinks about the whole day long. Even if she is working as a cashier in a supermarket. Or typing letters for a businessman. Or driving around in a fancy car. And she could be doing any of those things. Her mind will always be plotting and scheming and churning and burning and whizzing and fizzing with murderous, bloodthirsty thoughts. Which child, she says to herself all day long, exactly which child shall I choose for my next squelching? A real witch gets the same pleasure from squelching a child as you get from eating a plateful of strawberries and thick cream. She reckons on doing away with one child a week. Anything less than that and she becomes grumpy. One child a week is 52 a year. Squish them and squiggle them and make them disappear. That is the motto of all witches. A witch, you must understand, does not knock children on the head or stick knives into them or shoot at them with a pistol. People who do those things get caught by the police. A witch never gets caught. Don't forget that she has magic in her fingers and devilry dancing in her blood. She can make stones jump about like frogs, and she can make tons of flame go flickering across the surface of the water. These magic powers are very frightening. A witch is always a woman. I do not wish to speak badly about women, most women are lovely, but the fact remains that all witches are women. There is no such thing as a male witch. On the other hand, a ghoul is always a male. So indeed is a Bargus. Both are dangerous, but neither of them is half as dangerous as a real witch. <laughs> Ha 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 
as children are concerned, a real witch is easily the most dangerous of all the living creatures on Earth. What makes her doubly dangerous is the fact that she doesn't look dangerous. Even when you know all of the secrets, you will hear about those in a minute, you can still never be quite sure whether it is a witch you are gazing at or just a kind lady. She might even, and this will make you jump. She might even be your lovely narrator who is telling you a story at this very moment. Listen carefully. Perhaps her voice has a smile at the absurdity of such a suggestion. Don't let that put you off. It could be part of her cleverness. Oh, if there only were a way of telling for sure whether a woman was a witch or not, then we could round them all up and put them in the meat grinder. Unhappily, there is no such way. But there are a number of little signals you can look out for. Little quirky habits that all witches have in common. And if you know about these, if you remember them always, then you might just possibly manage to escape from being squelched before you are very much older. But our story begins with a very small voice. My grandmother was Norwegian. The Norwegians know all about witches, for Norway, with its black forest and icy mountains, is where the first witches came from. Twice a year, at Christmas and in summer, we went back to Norway to visit my grandmama. This old woman, as far as I could gather, was just about the only surviving relative we had on either side of our family. She was my mother's mother, and I absolutely adored her. When she and I were together, we spoke either in Norwegian or in English. It didn't matter which. Soon after my seventh birthday, my parents took me, as usual, to spend Christmas with my grandmother in Norway. And it was over there, while my mother and father were driving in icy weather, just north of Oslo, that their car skidded off the road and went tumbling down into a rocky ravine. My parents were killed. I finished up, of course, back in my grandmother's house, with her arms wrapped around me tight, and both of us crying the whole night long. What are we going to do now? You will stay here with me, and I will look after you. Aren't I going back to England? No, I could never do that. Heaven may take my soul, but Norway shall keep my bones. Tell me a story, Grandmama. Which one? Grandmother was a wonderful storyteller, and Luke was enthralled by everything she told him. But he didn't become really excited until Grandmother got on to the subject of witches. My witch stories, unlike most of the others, are not imaginary tales. They are all true. They are the gospel truth. They are history. 
everything I will tell you about witches has actually happened, and you had better believe it. Witches are still with us. They are all around us, and you had better believe that, too. Are you really being truthful, Grandmama? Really and truly truthful? My darling, you won't last long in this world if you don't know how to spot a witch when you see one. But you told me that witches look like ordinary women, Grandmama. So how can I spot them? You must listen to me. You must remember everything I tell you. After that, all you can do is cross your heart and pray to heaven and hope for the best. They were in the big living room of Grandmother's house in Oslo, and Luke was ready for bed. The curtains were never drawn in that house, and through the windows, Luke could see huge snowflakes falling slowly onto an outside world that was as black as tar. Grandmother was tremendously old and wrinkled, with a massive, wide body which was smothered in brown slacks and a tan woolen cardigan. She sat there, majestic in her armchair, filling every inch of it. Not even a mouse could have squeezed in to sit beside her. Luke, just seven years old, was crouched on the floor at her feet, wearing pajamas, a dressing gown, and slippers. You swear you aren't pulling my leg. You swear you aren't just pretending. Listen, I have known no less than five children who have simply vanished off the face of this earth, never to be seen again. The witches took them. I still think you're just trying to frighten me. I am trying to make sure you don't go the same way. I love you and I want you to stay with me. Tell me about the children who disappeared. Grandmother sighed deeply and lit her cigar. She took a long pull from it. The scent of tobacco smoke filled the air. The first child I knew who disappeared was called Ranghild Hansen. Ranghild was about eight at the time, and she was playing with her little sister on the lawn. Their mother, who was baking bread in the kitchen, came outside for a breath of air. Where's Ranghild? she asked. She went away with the tall lady, the little sister said. What tall lady? the mother said. The tall lady in white gloves, the little sister said. She took Ranghild by the hand and led her away. No one ever saw Ranghild again. Didn't they search for her? They searched for miles around. Everyone in the town helped, but they never found her. In every case, a strange lady was seen outside the house just before it happened. How, Grandmama? How did they vanish? The second one was very peculiar. There was a family 
called Christiansen. They lived up on Holman Cullen, and they had an old oil painting in the living room, which they were very proud of. The painting showed some ducks in the yard outside a farmhouse. There were no people in the painting, just a flock of ducks on a grassy farmyard and the farmhouse in the background. It was a large painting and rather pretty. Well, one day their daughter Solvik came home from school eating an apple. She said a nice lady had given it to her on the street. The next morning, little Solvig was not in her bed. The parents searched everywhere, but they couldn't find her. Then all of a sudden, her father shouted, There she is! That's Solvig feeding the ducks! He was pointing at the oil painting, and sure enough, Solvig was in it. She was standing in the farmyard in the act of throwing bread to the ducks out of a basket. The father rushed up to the painting and touched her, but that didn't help. She had become part of the painting, just a picture painted on the canvas. Did you ever see that painting, Grandmama, with the little girl in it? Many times. And the peculiar thing was the way that little Solvik kept changing her position in the picture. One day she would actually be inside the farmhouse, and you could see her face looking out of the window. Another day she would be far over to the left with a duck in her arms. Did you see her moving in the picture, Grandmama? Nobody did. Wherever she was, whether outside feeding the ducks or inside looking out of the window, she was always motionless, just a figure painted in oils. It was all very odd, very odd indeed. And what was most odd of all was that as the years went by, she kept growing older. In ten years, the small girl had become a young woman. In thirty years, she was middle-aged. Then all at once, fifty-four years after it all happened, she disappeared from the picture altogether. You mean, she died? Who knows? Some very mysterious things go on in the world of witches. Luke sat back on his haunches, speculative. His mind running wild, trying to puzzle out how in the world a living, breathing girl could become part of a painting. That's two you've told me about. What happened to the third one? The third one was little Brigitte Svensson. She lived just across the road from us. One day, she started growing feathers all over her body. Within a month, she had turned into a large white chicken. Her parents kept her for years in a pen in the garden. She even laid eggs. What color eggs? Brown ones. Biggest eggs I've ever seen in my life. Her mother made omelets out of them. Delicious they were. 
Grandmother sat there like some ancient and wise queen on her throne. Her eyes were misty gray, and they seemed to be looking at something many miles away. The cigar was the only real thing about her at that moment, and the smoke it released billowed around her head in wispy blue clouds, hovering heavily in the air, just as her words did. But the little girl who became a chicken didn't disappear. No, not Brigitte. She lived for many years laying her brown eggs. You said all of them disappeared. I made a mistake. I'm getting old. I can't remember everything. What happened to the fourth child? The fourth was a boy named Harold. One morning his skin went all grayish-yellow. Then it became hard and crackly like the shell of a nut. By evening, the boy had turned to stone. Stone? You mean real, like a rock? Granite. I'll take you to see him if you like. They still keep him in the house. He stands in the hall, a little stone statue. Visitors lean their umbrellas against him. Go on, Grandmama. You told me there were five altogether. What happened to the last one? Would you like a puff of my cigar? I'm only seven, Grandmama. I don't care what age you are, you'll never catch a cold if you smoke a pipe. What about number five? Number five was a rather interesting case. A nine-year-old boy called Leaf, summer holidaying with his family on the fjord. And the whole family was picnicking and swimming off the rocks on one of those little islands. Young Leaf dove into the water and his father, who was watching him, noticed that he had stayed under for an unusually long time. When he came to the surface at last, he wasn't Leaf anymore. Luke's eyes widened in the twilight as he leaned forward. What was he, Grandmama? He was a porpoise. He wasn't. He couldn't have been. He was a lovely young porpoise and as friendly as he could be. Grandmama? Yes, my darling? Did he really and truly turn into a porpoise? Absolutely. I knew his mother well. She told me all about it. She told me how Leaf the Porpoise stayed with them all that afternoon, giving his brothers and sisters rides on his back. They had a wonderful time. Then he waved a flipper at them and swam away, never to be seen again. But how did they know that the Porpoise was actually Leif? He talked to them. He laughed and joked with them all the time he was giving them rides. But wasn't there a most tremendous fuss when this happened? Not much. You must remember that here in Norway, we are used to that sort of thing. There are witches everywhere. There's probably one living in our street this very moment. In fact, it's time you went to bed. 
a witch, a witch couldn't come in through my window in the night, would she? Oh, goodness, no. A witch will never do silly things like climbing up drain pipes or breaking into people's houses. You'll be quite safe in your bed. Come along, I'll tuck you in. The next evening, after dessert, Grandmother took Luke once again into the living room for another story. They settled in, she in her armchair, and he stretched out on the floor in front of her, resting his head against her strong shins, made comfy by her thick brown robe. Grandmother lit her cigar, and at the end of it, burned cherry red in the night, like an all-seeing eye. Tonight, I am going to tell you how to recognize a witch when you see one. Can you always be sure? No, you can't, and that's the trouble. But you can make a pretty good guess. In the first place, a real witch is certain always to be wearing gloves when you meet her. Surely not always. What about in summer when it's hot? Even in the summer. She has to. Do you want to know why? Why? Because she doesn't have fingernails. Instead of fingernails, she has thin, curvy claws, like a cat. And she wears the gloves to hide them. Mind you, lots of very respectable women wear gloves, especially in winter, so this doesn't help you very much. Hmm. Mama used to wear gloves. Not in the house. Witches wear gloves even in the house. They only take them off when they go to bed. How do you know all this? Don't interrupt. Just take it all in. The second thing to remember is that a real witch is always bald. Bald? Bald as a boiled egg. Why are they bald? Don't ask me why. But you can take it from me that not a single hair grows on a witch's head. How horrid. Disgusting. If she's bald, then she'll be easy to spot. Not at all, my son. A real witch always wears a wig to hide her baldness. She wears a first-class wig, and it is almost impossible to tell a really first-class wig from ordinary hair, unless you give it a pull to see if it comes off. Then that's what I'll have to do. Don't be foolish. You can't go around pulling at the hair of every lady you meet, even if she is wearing gloves. Just you try it and see what happens. So, that doesn't help me much either. None of these things is any good on its own. It's only when you put them all together that they begin to make a little sense. Mind you, these wigs do cause a rather serious problem. Witches. What problem? They make the scalp itch most terribly. You see, 
when an actress wears a wig, or if you and I were to wear a wig, we would be putting it over our own hair. But a witch has to put it straight onto her naked scalp. And the inside of a wig is always very rough and scratchy. It sets up a frightful itch on the bald skin. It causes nasty sores on the head. Wig rash, the witches call it. And it doesn't have itch. I see. What other things must I look for to recognize a witch? Look for the nose holes. Witches have slightly larger nose holes than ordinary people. The rim of each nose hole is pink and curvy, like the rim of a certain kind of seashell. Why do they have such big nose holes? For smelling with, a real witch has the most amazing powers of smell. She can actually smell out a child who is standing on the other side of the street in a pitch black night. She couldn't smell me. I've just had a bath before dinner. Oh, yes, she could. The cleaner you happen to be, the more smelly you are to a witch. An absolutely clean child gives off the most ghastly stench to a witch. The dirtier you are, the less you smell. But that doesn't make sense, Grandmama. Oh, yes, it does. It isn't the dirt that the witch is smelling. It is you. The smell that drives a witch mad actually comes right out of your own skin. It comes oozing out of your skin in waves. And these waves, stink waves, the witches call them, go floating through the air and hit the witch right smack in the nostrils. They send her reeling. Now wait a minute. The point is this. When you haven't washed for a week and your skin is all covered with dirt, then quite obviously the stink waves cannot come oozing out nearly so strongly. I shall never bathe again. Just don't have one too often. Once a month is quite enough for a sensible child. Grandmama, if it's a dark night, how can a witch smell the difference between a child and a grown-up? Because grown-ups don't give out stink waves. Only children do that. I don't really give out stink waves, do I? I'm not giving them out this moment, am am I? Not to me, you aren't. To me, you are smelling like raspberries and cream. But to a witch, you would be smelling absolutely disgusting. What would I be smelling of? Dog's droppings. Dog's droppings? I am not smelling of dog's droppings. I don't believe it. I won't believe it. What's more, to a witch, you'd be smelling of fresh dog's droppings. That simply is not true. I know I am not smelling of droppings, stale or fresh. 
There's no point in arguing about it. It's a fact of life. So if you see a woman holding her nose as she passes you in the street, that woman could easily be a witch. Tell me what else to look for in a witch. The eyes. Look carefully at the eyes, because the eyes of a real witch are different from yours and mine. Look in the middle of each eye where there is normally a little black dot. If she is a witch, the black dot will keep changing color, and you will see fire and you will see ice dancing right in the very center of the colored dot. It will send shivers running all over your skin. Grandmother leant back in her chair and sucked away contentedly at her cigar. Luke squatted on the floor, staring up at her, fascinated. She was not smiling. She looked deadly serious. Are there other things? Of course there are other things. You don't seem to understand that witches are not actually women at all. They look like women, they talk like women, and they are able to act like women. But in actual fact, they are totally different animals. They are demons in human shape. That is why they have claws and bald heads and queer noses and peculiar eyes, all of which they have to conceal as best they can from the rest of the world. Witches never have toes. No toes? Then what do they have? They just have feet. The feet have square ends with no toes on them at all. Does that make it difficult to walk? Not at all. But it does give them a problem with their shoes. All ladies like to wear rather small, pointed shoes, but a witch, whose feet are very wide and square at the ends, has the most awful job squeezing her feet into those neat little pointed shoes. Why doesn't she wear wide, comfy shoes with square ends? She dare not. Just as she hides her baldness with a wig and her claws with gloves, she must also hide her ugly witch's feet by squeezing them into pretty shoes. Oh, isn't that terribly uncomfortable? Extremely uncomfortable. But she has to put up with it. If she's wearing ordinary shoes, it won't help me to recognize her, will it? I'm afraid it won't. You might possibly see her limping very slightly, but only if you are watching very closely. Are those the only differences, then? There's one more. Just one more. A witch's spit is blue. Blue? Not blue. Their spit cannot be blue. Blue as a blueberry. You don't mean it, Grandmama. Nobody can have blue spit. Witches can. Is it like ink? Exactly. They even use it to write with. 
They use those old-fashioned pens that have nibs, and they simply lick the nib. It's quite convenient, actually. Can you notice the blue spit, Grandmama? If a witch was talking to me, would I be able to notice it? Only if you looked very carefully. If you looked very carefully, you would probably see a slight bluish tinge on her teeth. But it doesn't show much. It would if she spat. Witches never spit. They daren't. So there you are. That's about all I can tell you. None of it is very helpful. You can still never be absolutely sure whether a woman is a witch or not just by looking at her. But if she's wearing the gloves, if she has the large nose holes, the queer eyes, and the hair that looks as though it might be a wig, and if she has a bluish tinge on her teeth, if she has all of these things, then you run like mad just in case. Grandmama, when you were a little girl, did you ever meet a witch? Once. Only once. What happened? I'm not going to tell you. It would frighten you out of your skin and give you bad dreams. Oh, please tell me. No. Certain things are too horrible to talk about. Does it have something to do with your missing thumb? Suddenly, Grandmother's old, wrinkled lips shut tight as a pair of tongs, and the hand that held the cigar, which had no thumb on it, began to quiver very slightly. There was silence. She didn't look at Luke. She didn't speak. The conversation was finished. The next day, a man in a black suit arrived at the house, carrying a briefcase, and he held a long conversation with Grandmother in the living room. When at last he went away, Grandmother came in, walking very slowly and looking very sad. That man was reading me your father's will. He has asked me to care for you as long as I live, but he has also asked that I take you back to your own house in England. He wants us to stay there. But why? Why can't we stay here in Norway? You hate to live anywhere else. You told me you would. There was no way out of it. We have to go to England. Your next school term begins in a few days, so we don't have any time to waste. And that, as they say, was that. It was decided that Grandmother would leave her beloved Norway and go with Luke back to England to live out her days caring for him. The preparations for the move began, and on the evening before they left for England, Grandmother got on to her favorite subject once again. You know, there are not as many witches in England as there are in Norway. I'm sure I won't meet one. 
I sincerely hope you won't. Because those English witches are probably some of the most vicious in the whole wide world. Their favorite ruse is to mix up a powder that will turn a child into some creature or other that all grown-ups hate. What sort of creature? Often it's a slug. A slug is one of their favorites. Then the grown-ups step on the slug and squish it without knowing it's a child. That's perfectly beastly. Or it might be a flea. They might turn you into a flea without realizing what she was doing. Your own mother would get out the flea powder and then it's goodbye you. You're making me nervous, Grandmama. I don't think I want to go back to England. I've known English witches who have turned children into pheasants and then sneaked the pheasants up into the woods the very day before the pheasant shooting season opened. And then they get plucked and roasted and eaten for supper. Yes, it gives the English witches great pleasure to stand back and watch the grown-ups doing away with their own children. I really don't want to go back to England. Of course you don't. Neither do I, but I'm afraid we've got to. Are witches different in every country? Completely different. But I don't know much about the other countries. Don't you even know about America? Not really. Although I have heard it said over there that witches are able to make the grown-ups eat their own children. Never. Oh no, Grandmama, that couldn't be true. I don't know whether it's true or not. It's only rumor I've heard. But how could they possibly make them eat their own children? By turning them into hot dogs, of course. That wouldn't be too difficult for a clever witch. Does every single country in the world have witches in it? Wherever you find people, you find witches. There is a secret society of witches in every country. And do they all know one another? They do not. A witch only knows the witches in her own country. She is strictly forbidden to communicate with any foreign witches. But an English witch, for example, will know all the other witches in England. They are all friends. They ring each other up, swap deadly recipes. Goodness knows what else they talk about. I hate to think... Once a year, the witches of each separate country hold their own secret meeting. They all get together in one place to receive a lecture from the Grand High Witch of all the world. From who? She is the ruler of them all. She is all-powerful and without mercy. All the other witches are petrified of her. They only see her once a year at their annual meeting. She goes up there to whip up excitement and enthusiasm and to give orders. The Grand High Witch travels from country to country attending these annual meetings. 
Where do they have these meetings, Grandmama? There are all sorts of rumors. I have heard it said that they just book into a hotel like any other group of women who are holding a meeting. I have also heard it said that some very peculiar things go on in the hotels they stay in. It is rumored that the beds are never slept in, that there are burn marks on the bedroom carpets, that toads are discovered in the bathtubs, and down in the kitchen the cook once found a baby crocodile swimming in his saucepan of soup. Where does the Grand High Witch live when she's at home? Nobody knows. If we knew that, then she could be rooted out and destroyed. Witcher files the world over have spent their lives trying to discover the secret headquarters of the Grand High Witch. What is a Witcher file? Why? A person who studies witches and knows a lot about them, of course. Are you a witcherphile, Grandmama? I am a retired witcherphile. I'm too old to be active any longer. But when I was younger, I traveled all over the globe trying to track down the Grand High Witch. I never even came close to succeeding. Is she rich? She's rolling, simply rolling in money. Rumor has it that there's a machine in her headquarters which is exactly like the machine the government uses to print the banknotes you and I use. After all, banknotes are only a bit of paper with special designs on them. Anyone can make them who has the right machine and the right paper. My guess is that the Grand High Witch makes all the money she wants, and she dishes it out to witches everywhere. Hop, what about foreign money? Those machines can make Chinese money if you want them to. It's only a question of pressing the right button. But if nobody has ever seen the Grand High Witch... How can you be so sure that she exists? Grandmother's eyes clouded over as she looked over Luke's head, out into the distance. Nobody has ever seen the devil, either. But we certainly know he exists. The next morning, they sailed for England, and soon, Grandmother and Luke found themselves back in the old family house in Kent. The Easter term began, and every weekday, Luke went to school. Everything seemed back to normal again. Now, at the bottom of their garden, there was an enormous conker tree, and high up in its branches, Timmy, Luke's best friend, and Luke had started to build a magnificent treehouse. They were able to work on it only on the weekends, but they were getting along fine. They had begun with the floor, which they built by laying wide planks between two quite far apart branches and nailing them down. Within a month, they had finished the floor. Then they constructed a wooden railing around the floor, and that left only the roof to be built. The roof was the difficult bit. 
One Saturday afternoon, when Timmy was in bed with the flu, Luke decided to make a start on the roof all by himself. It was lovely being high up there in that conquer tree, all alone with the pale young leaves coming out everywhere around him. It was like being in a big green cave, and the height made it extra exciting. I worked away nailing the first plank on the roof, and then, suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I caught sight of a woman standing immediately below me. She was looking up at me and smiling in the most peculiar way. When most people smile, their lips go out sideways. This woman's lips went upwards and downwards, showing all of her front teeth and gums. Her gums were like raw meat. It is always a shock to discover that when you are being watched, when you think you are alone. And what was this strange woman doing in our garden anyway? I noticed that she was wearing a small black hat and she had on black gloves on her hands and the gloves came nearly up to her elbows. Gloves. She was wearing gloves. I froze all over. I have a present for you. Come down out of that tree, little boy, and I shall give you the most exciting present you've ever had. Her voice had a curious quality. It made a sort of metallic sound, as though her throat was full of drawing pins. Without taking her eyes from Luke's face, she very slowly put one of those gloved hands into her purse and drew out a small green snake. She held it up for him to see. It's tame. If you come down here, I shall give it to you. Luke dropped the hammer and shot up that enormous tree like a monkey. He didn't stop until he was as high as he could possibly go, and there he stayed, quivering with fear. He couldn't see the woman now. He stayed up there for hours and kept very still. It began to grow dark. Luke? Luke? I'm up here. Come down at once. It's past your supper time. Grandmama, has that woman gone? What woman? The woman in the black gloves. Yes, she's gone. I'm here, my darling. I'll look after you. You can come down now. Luke climbed down. He was trembling. Grandmother enfolded him in her arms. I have seen a witch. Come inside. You'll be all right with me. I'll make you some hot chocolate with lots of sugar in it, and you can tell me everything. That was my first witch. It wasn't my last.